0: Welcome to the mayhem Dick and Lloyd mayhem Media mayhem Marketing mayhem You might love it You might hate it It's my favorite freaking show All right, that sounds good. I like that. This is uh, Lloyd Edge. We're Here with the Dick and Lloyd's Media Marketing Mayhem Podcast. And today we're going to do something different because today it's the Dick Wilson Show. I'm going to interview my charming co-host, the fascinating, young, lovely Dick Wilson. He hasn't
1: arrived yet. He's still out in the limo.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Dick. Dick, what, let's, let's find out a little bit more about Dick Wilson. I sit over here with you and, and we interview people, but I don't know a lot about the real Dick Wilson. I mean, I,
1: I haven't delved deeply into the background of Dick. Well, I have lived here all my life in this, uh, in this city. Up in the Northland, went to Maplewood Elementary School, down to Maple Park Junior High, where I was student council president. Went to high school at North Kansas City High, and uh, it was there that I discovered that I wanted to do radio and TV.
0: Wow, I'm so glad you didn't get into politics instead.
1: No, I didn't. No. Uh, being nope. the president,
0: no. No. Uh huh. And then you went, uh, then where? What, what did you do then?
1: Well, I went down to college at Warrensburg and uh, went down there. But uh, Did the, you
0: work on that radio station? I did,
1: but it got started, and interest got started back in high school. When I was doing some announcing at one of the uh, events in the gymnasium, you know. Oh, And over uh, the PA? You, yeah. You,
0: you heard that voice, those golden go. pipes
1: ringing out through the auditorium. And- That's right. And Gus Limecooler, the librarian, uh, his wife was there, and she mentioned to him, hey, uh, he has a nice voice. Maybe he should look into broadcasting. And he passed that along to me, and I said, well, that's not not a bad idea. So (laughs) Gus Limecooler's wife is responsible Kind of, along the way, yeah. Later in my senior year, I ran for the Chamber of Commerce of Kansas City. Used to have a thing where students took over the mayorship and all the positions in the city for a day. Wow. And I ran for mayor of Kansas City with five other people from high schools around the area.
0: Holy cow. Well, they need to do that again. That was kind of a neat deal. On a permanent basis.
1: Yeah. So we had the thing. Uh, We we did. We went on some radio stations, went on the Walt Bodine show. Oh, yeah. uh, Went on some of the TV stations. I got to see the backgrounds, what was going on. I kind of really got interested in it at that point. Now, the outcome of the election, I didn't get mayor, but I got city manager, which was just as powerful. And I was up on the top floor, just like the mayor was. No kidding. Rode to lunch with Clarence Kelly in his car, you know doing that day oh, so it was kind man. of a neat experience
0: I don't know why they don't do that anymore well maybe they do and we're just not invited. maybe, maybe
1: that's it so you knew right away huh so that's when I saw the background of things at work and, and really liked it so
0: I've heard a lot of guys that got into broadcast knew very early on mm-hmm and it just rang their bell and they just stayed with it. And you were on the air for
1: 46 years. 46 years. Before my jersey was same, retired, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes.
0: So, it's well. Uh, same organization under mm, several yeah, different. Did names. A
1: couple of different ownerships, but did get out of uh, high school, went down to Warrensburg, as we said. Mm-hmm. And I did work for the station in the campus there. It was KCPW. It's still 90.9, what that is today. The bridge, Yeah, um, it's
0: really an interesting station now. Yeah,
1: it was only 10 watts back then, so if you turned your back on it on the campus, you couldn't <laughs> hear it. And I had this story the first time I went in, did a newscast, a five-minute newscast, and really hadn't talked that long out loud in a, in a broadcast manner kind of ran out of news before I was done. So I was reaching down in the trash can, pulling out old news stories and reading them on the air just okay. to fill the time. <laughs> well, is an important thing. you got to wing it, don't you, Dave? It, it, you really do. You really do.
0: So do you have any of those air checks from those days?
1: Uh, I'll have to think if I do. Uh, what I may have is I worked um, up here in town uh, one summer at KBIL 1140 AM out in uh, – in Liberty area, kind of the first job. But then I got a job at KOKO, the station that's uh, in Warrensburg. Oh, really? Warrensburg, 1450 KOKO. So uh, worked out there, got up in the morning early, and uh, did the morning show at KOKO and went to college. Ended up getting an interesting entrance into the broadcasting scene here in Kansas City by mistake. Do tell. Came up one day, went to... KCMO, there on 31st Street under the tall tower. That's right. Went in the front door. Said uh, to the lady there, "I'm here from Central Missouri State, and I'd like to look into an internship." Well, she misunderstood me and thought I said I was here from a senator, and wanted an internship. And five minutes later, I was from the lobby up into the office of E.K. Hartenbauer, the vice president and general manager of <laughs> Meredith Broadcasting. <laughs> and so he, uh, he realized there'd been a mistake in bringing me upstairs. He said, but I
0: thought you were with our overlords. That's
1: right. Yes. But, uh, he was nice enough to talk to me, uh, what I wanted to do. And about two weeks later, I got a call from the station saying, Hey, would you like to work in the mailroom this summer? Wow. And so I started in the mailroom, got to know everybody at at, uh, KCMO, up and down, and that ended up turning into a weekend job on KCMO AM while I was still in college. Now, do
0: you remember any of the personalities you met at KCMO under the tall tower back then? Dick Guthrie. Oh, yeah.
1: Larry Dunbar. Mike Shannon. Uh Uh-huh. The ruckus guy. Sure. All good friends from those days. Yeah, uh uh-huh. I was in the mailroom with Scotty Nelson, who was a country singer back in the 40s when live radio was going on. And he was still hanging around there. So kind of got to chat with him about that era also. So, was Holy fun. cow. So yeah, it was a good live deal. Live
0: music broadcasting yeah. like Coon Sanders.
1: There you go. Yeah, exactly. So I graduated from college. Went into the National Guard. That was the time of period where you went into the National Guard was one of your decisions. So Mm -hmm. went off for a couple of months down to uh – Fort Sill and Fort Campbell and those oh, kind of things. So it was
0: the American side. It was the American side. Oh, good. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Good.
1: That was an early decision I'd made. When I got back, I went back to KCMO. No, they didn't have a place at that point, talking to Lynn Higby, the program director at that time, but he did send me over to WDAF where Jack Elliott was there, and uh, they gave me a job there as music director, weekend announcer. That would have been in probably uh, 1971. So I started the uh, official count of the career in 71 there wow. full time.
0: So so now how did you get uh, how did you get the, into the role of music director was there did you have a lot of experience in that or was it just because it was a weekend thing and they said he can do it?
1: Well, that was during the week, uh, you know, the, the regular nine to five oh, it was during job, the week. Okay. and then I did a weekend shift on the air. Oh, okay, so, yeah, wasn't too a uh, tough of a job uh, organizing the music back then. It was uh, easy listening, you know, a lot of Barbara Streisand and things like that back in those days. So that wasn't too bad. Matter of fact, I was kind of a rebel. I uh, talked him into playing yes Roundabout on a Barbara Streisand station. So that was some of the pull that I had back then. But anyway, that was the deal. Now. After getting started there, ended up going and being one of the early airborne traffic reporters.
0: Oh my God! Even
1: before John, what's his name? Wagner.
0: John Wagner, Sky Spy.
1: That's right. Standing by. I was the original guy. Fixed
0: wing or a helicopter? I was in
1: a fixed wing. Flew out of uh, Wilson Aviation over in Fairfax. And old Al Wilson would take me up and fly me around in the morning and and the afternoon. I was taking pilot's lessons at that time, so I knew kind of how the plane worked. And every now and then, old Al would fall asleep while we were up in the air, so I'd have to kind of straighten things up with the plane a little bit and uh, make sure it worked okay. I was Commander Dick. Really? That was the name. Yes. Wow. Uh, there's even um, some uh, some. You don't ads mind? I'd around. like
0: to refer to you that way now, <laughs> okay. every yeah. once in a while. That'd be okay. Yeah. I mean, when we're sure. doing when we're doing cosplay. <laughs>
2: gotcha. <laughs> hey, I had a question for you, Commander Dick. it was posed by a listener. Knowing that you're a single person, they wanted to know if you were really a swinger and you wore your cap at a jaunty angle while you fly. Uh, I wear my earphones at a
1: angle. <laughs> but anyway, that was interesting. Worked with uh, Tom Hopkins on the air, Skinny Bobby Harper, those kind of guys. But, sure. Uh, but it came 1974. Got married to my wife, Patty. Still married to my first wife. Uh, in 1974, early on, they decided to take WDAF-FM to a live radio station. It was recorded up to that point, playing popular hits and things like that. Yes. And I so think I, I know this story. This is yes, a big monumental change. Ross Reagan was there and, um, he decided to, uh, take the FM live. And uh, so he said, well, you got your choice. You can stay with one speaker or two speakers. So instead of AM, I went with FM and that was the birth of KY one Oh two in 1974. And we
0: had a show not too long ago with, and all the original uh, on-air crew is yeah. surviving, and they were all there. The first day, yeah, first day, first people day
1: on our list of podcasts. And you what can was check that, that out. first
0: song you played?
1: Too many people, Paul McCartney. There was no apparent reason. I've made reasons up since then, but <laughs> it was just a song I liked from from the album at that time. So grabbed it at five a.m. and put it on the radio. Max were the Floyd first was there. Voice
0: on- i was yes Uh 5 a.m
1: max floyd was the program director and uh ron voss the general manager and things like that and the history went on from there now um worked alone for about a year jay cooper was the promotions director in the office and uh we decided to add news to the morning show so jay became our newsreader so he Mm -hmm. would come in and read the news and then we'd horse around a little bit, and it finally degenerated into what became Dick and Jay. Oh, yes, the, so, the big number one show for many years. Uh, well, you know, it, it was uh, among, if not the first, morning team on FM in the country. Because up to that point, everything was uh, underground, soft talkers, low talkers. Yeah, this is, know, is the pot. Clifford with Beaker Street. There you go, that kind of stuff. We uh, turned the whole thing around and add more personality to it, and so that's kind of what it became. So that
0: was it. So you guys were the originators of that morning FM banter and comedy shtick. And...
1: We're saying we were. I don't know of any that were around at that time. There were AM people, Loman and Barkley in Los Angeles, and different people on AM that were mm-hmm. doubling up. But uh, as far as FM, I think we were the first. Lee Abrams was our consultant, and he took the idea across the country kind of from there. Because it was working pretty good for us. Well, we'll put out a challenge right now to all the uh,
0: Dick and Lois Media Marketing Mayhem listeners. There you if go. They, okay. If they want to contest that, they're welcome to. Uh, we'll give them some airtime to come on and <laughs>
1: yes. and rant.
0: Good. Some highly edited airtime <laughs> yes. for you. Yes. <laughs> so wow. So Dick and Jay was. That was maybe the biggest deal in town. Uh, that was a long run. Very successful, very popular couple of guys, and you got into some some really fun things on that show, didn't you? Well, we did. You You know, I try
1: to try to think of the things that people bring up to me. Some of it I remember, some I don't remember that we did. But uh, uh, we used to fake broadcasts from different locations just while we were sitting in the studio. Uh, One time we faked that we were up in uh, New York City in Central Park. Well, Dick and Jay in Central Park, uh, just kind of ending up the day for us. About uh, time to wrap things up again. It's been huh? a fun time. We had a lot of guests here. Bianca Jagger was here. Uh, uh, Reggie Jackson. Jackson stopped yeah. by this um, morning to see us here in New York. Uh, just... All sorts of people. I want to thank the Essex Hotel for putting yeah. us up there for a while. And I don't want to thank them for putting us out, though. No, uh-uh. And having to finish a show on the street. So uh, You're going to head back to KC, huh? Yeah, i got to get back for uh, so I can do the ring announcements tonight. All Tony's right. fight. Well, I think I'll go with the game up okay. here for a while. Let's All right. Uh, well, we're sitting here in the Sheet Meadow yeah. area. And uh, i busy. What's that? What's the matter? Yeah. I mean, Who are you talking about? Here, hey. the fellas passed me a note. Hey, what's this? Please hand me your billfold and watch and any other jewelry you have. What? What? Yeah. Hey. This isn't happening to us, is it? You uh, You want? You want, you want? What's the matter? Well, I don't know what's going on, but this is Dick and Jay these, in New York City. Uh,
2: these uh, microphones,
1: too? You want... Well, they, I, no, we have to keep these. No, we've got to... We these, we so we gotta. <laughs> Another time, we went to Sedalia, took the multi-million dollar media van to Sedalia oh, for a broadcast. Oh, Sedville, Missouri. Yes, and uh, sounded a little like this. And then on the outside, if you're looking for us this morning here in Sedalia, there is, of course, the... Larger than life drawings of Dick and Jay on the mm-hmm. outside of the uh, actual motorhome, and uh, with our personal phone numbers on it, and uh, freelance information, and uh, stuff like that. Uh, so it's kind of a, kind of a nice deal. Had a lot of nice people stop by today. Yeah. Hi folks, how you doing?
2: You want to wow, you want to kiss that baby? Yeah. Why don't you kiss? Well, bring go, you on up Yeah. Go kiss yeah. that baby.
1: This I always enjoy this because Dick does a yeah. uh-huh. really good job kissing babies.
2: And uh, how old is your baby?
1: Sixteen, huh? Six well,
2: okay, uh, Miss, you want to come on in here? Yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. Yeah. It was always interesting, you know. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, yeah. Are you comfortable? Yeah, okay. Uh, okay, now, if you re- everybody's real quiet,
1: you'll be able to hear this. Yeah. There we go. Another first for Sedalia, Missouri.
2: Was that good for you, too? Great. Okay. Okay, well, thanks for stopping by. Yeah. Yeah, here's a free, uh, wait a minute. You
1: got a, uh, got a free album back yeah, there?
2: here's Norman Luboff, the choir. Okay, there you go.
1: You actually gave away the Norman Luboff album. Well, I know. I've been trying to move that for it, about exactly. a year. Oh, nice. Now, once again, you folks in Kansas City, don't feel uh, like you cannot call us. We do have the phone's microwave uh, down here to Sedalia. And okay, now, once again, it is a, a, a special five number seven, six, seven, Right. So just give us a call and we'll uh, take care of your questions. So that kind of horse around stuff, yeah. Love that. Um, probably what's brought up more than anything was the Marilyn Chambers visit. Uh, Marilyn was a porn star back then. Yeah,
0: I think, uh, well, I'm, I'm aware of that. Yes. And uh I think like every, everyone else, uh, I paid attention to that. That Yeah. fast. Something about that porn star, uh, coming in to see our local celebrities, and the imagination, the theater of the mind on that one was uh, <laughs> pretty active, I'd say.
1: Well, there was, and there wasn't a lot of imagination to it. It was all pretty true, all, all real. Um, she must have been in town promoting one of her latest releases at what the either the old Chelsea or what was the place down on Main Street? The Dove. Uh, the Dove Theater, probably at the Dove's, where the thing was going mm-hmm. on. So Jay didn't know this was going to happen. They had uh, contacted me and wanted to know if we wanted to do an interview with her. She was going around the country doing some interviews. And I said, well, yeah, that might be fun. So she came in. She had a sarong on. Her husband was with her. Mm. And uh, we interviewed her a little bit in the studio. And then she stood up and just dropped her sarong and was totally naked. Jay was speechless for the next five minutes. Was he? He had no idea that was going to happen.
0: (laughs) So he didn't deal with that well, huh?
1: Well, he did pretty good. Uh, She ended up doing a little, uh, you know, sitting on his knee a little bit and that kind of thing. And there are some pictures floating out around there of the event that went on in the studio. But the interesting thing was, after a while, it was just business as usual. She was up walking around naked, talking to her husband uh, about what they had and where they had to go next. Jay and I were on the air. He was doing the news and things like that. So it was kind of... It was did, kind of unreal.
0: Did you guys get so relaxed that you kind of joined in on the fun? And,
1: uh, I believe okay. we took our shirts off Shirt, and had had some photos off. taken, okay. and that's as far as we went.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow!
1: So the Maryland Chamber's story, yeah, that was true, and that that, that was out there. So quite well, a deal. That's
0: a good one, and then.
1: A lot of celebrities of course came by. Um, John Anderson from Yes used to come in every time he was in town. He would send us postcards from around the world when Yes was touring around and mm-hmm. lead singer from there. Todd Rundgren came in one time and uh, the big story about Todd was uh, he didn't talk a whole lot. He mostly sat over in the corner and made out with a groupie that he'd brought in with him in the studio. Well, so, you know.
0: I'd heard some stories about him being an unusual guest. Yes, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, he certainly was. Did you have others uh coming in to promote their records or I mean it was kind of a bigger deal in those days the the uh the personalities and the 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 power that a station like 102 had over record sales I mean it was
1: oh yeah you know, was, yeah uh, there were always people coming by dropping by I remember Carl Wilson of the Beach Boys was had a solo album he would drop by the studio one time and And uh, there were a number of people, mostly I've forgotten them for the most part, but a number of people stopped by to promote different things throughout that area because there was so much going on with the radio station. You know, at one point, we had this idea, well, let's do a live show in front of an audience. And so... What could go wrong? We put it together. What could go wrong? We put it together and it became Live with the Bijou on Friday mornings. Oh, sure. And we would have about 100, well, I don't know what that sat in there, but it was at least 100, 150 kids skipping school on Friday down there as the audience for the most part. Uh, we were on stage live doing the broadcast, had the announcer. Tom Hopkins who was the announcer. Oh, here's a little of what it sounded like.
2: September 19th, and from Westport, it's Jake and Jay's, live at the Bijou. You'll be listening this morning for lots of expensive guests. Some good old rock and roll free freeloading, free leading, free wheeling breakfast eaters in the audience. And now, at least until we can find a couple of really good hosts, here's Dick and Jay. Okay, oh, all right. Okay, the I think the uh,
1: I think so the applause like Griffin, yeah, really I
2: think the applause practice worked. That's great. It worked it worked that pre-recorded record. Yeah.
1: Applause record that yeah. we have back at the station really sounds good at this time of the morning. Well it's six oh six. We're both on the job this morning. This is and, the first uh, time. Now, what time did you get here? You I were, got here an hour and a half ago. I tried to be as late as I could. I got you here came about Brooklyn, 10 till. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, in order to get us both on the job at the same time, on time, we had to get out of the studio. So we're in Westport, live at the Bijou. This is, this is probably the most extensive that we have done to try to get a free breakfast. That's right. <laughs> we've tried for, you know, I mean, literally for five years now, we've tried to get free breakfast set up. So now the corner restaurant is going to take care of us for Fridays, okay? So we have to come down here to get it, though. Now, there are, I'm real surprised at this many people down here so far. We're about, uh, okay. they've so been up all winter filled right yeah. now. And yeah. I want, we're uh, the most, most people in the audience here. Let's kind of, on the count of three, yell out exactly where you're from here this morning. Does that include us? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Ready? All right, one, two, three. Okay. Yeah. Okay. One school's missing. Pretty good. Uh, Carol Comer was on stage. Carol Comer oh, had her hear? jazz band and the jazz band. played the live music bumpers for us and things like that. It was an interesting show. Um, John Cougar Mellencamp was on stage with us one morning and we were driving golf—not uh, uh, golfers. We had golf clubs and we were driving marshmallows off into the crowd, which probably <laughs> probably would have been a lawsuit of some sort. Yeah. Now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That. Now. Now. He was he a handful.
1: You I, know, I don't remember too much about his character back then. Yeah, but uh, you know, I've heard that he's uh, maybe a tough interview John, from time yeah. to times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: He gets a little
1: cranky, I think. Wow! So you were driving
0: marshmallows off the roof of the Bijou, off the uh, stage. Oh, into off the, the crowd. stage, Into the crowd. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I love that. Westport was yeah. fun in those days. Yeah. Wild Willie Westport. You guys eventually moved down there, didn't you? The radio station.
1: You know, we did. Um, we were, of course, on Signal Hill when we first started, but um, there's a lot of, uh, of mileage in between the move down to Westport mm. until we get there. It was back in, uh, oh, 1981, Jay left the station, and I hooked up with Max Floyd, who was doing in the afternoons, and Max and I did a morning show called The A-Team with Frankie. Uh, sure. The Frankie that uh, was our remarkable mouth lady and uh she, was. she had a great history with a station also did that for a while and then got the call that uh ed Muscari was leaving all night live oh, on channel yeah. 41
0: Damn. yeah he put down the banana phone for good there
1: he uh, got the cat adopted in tulsa and put down the banana phone through everything he owned in his car and left town mm-hmm. so um I got the call to be one of the people to try out for that, and which I auditioned for it and ended up getting the job. Uh, Dan Wheatcroft was at KSHB at that time. His name will come up again here in a little bit. But, um, but yeah, that was a couple of years, 84 to 86, doing the all night show. Got in, went on live at 11 p.m. at night till 6 in the morning. But we were only there from about 11 p.m. to 1.30, because then we would record the rest of the things that ran throughout the rest of the night.
0: Running the old movies. and The The old
1: movies, the old TV shows, Alfred Hitchcock, uh, Lost in Space. But then it was the stuff that we did around it that was different, so different than television today. Today, television is all news. Or if there's anything that's not news, it's those morning shows where the sponsors pay to be on to be interviewed and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's all prepackaged There's nothing really – there's no really plain out fun on TV
0: anymore. Well, can we listen to some of that? You got some – let yep. me see. Yep. I got, let me
1: see what I can find here. 50 bucks? You're on the show. Yeah. yeah. Dick Wilson is Kansas City's only late night on the air managing editor. Let's do this. He really knows how to use his people.
2: Hey. Where's that five bucks you owe me? Keep your voting coming, okay?
1: And we'll decide very quickly on who the winner of the All Night Live last bikini contest is. Welcome to the All Night Live Balance the Budget Telethon. Tonight, in a mere three and a half hours, we, the generous and patriotic citizens of Heartland USA, will attempt to rid our great nation of its $1.849 trillion federal debt. Uh, A couple more letters here on Ask Rodney. Uh, T.M. writes in from St. Joseph, Missouri. Dear Ask Rodney... (laughs) <laughs> uh, some The thing that these people know, I don't know how you know all this stuff, do birds mate in the air or on the ground? I don't think they do at all because they don't have
2: uh, laps. Their knees are backwards, you know? And
1: some of you wonder, what do we do all night while the shows are going? You know, when, when we're, we're watching most of the time, of course, but sometimes we are, you know, having a little bit of fun. And here in the Olympic season, of course, having a little bit of competitive spirit. Now, we have kind of a little bet going on here amongst the crew as to which one of these two chairs, rolling chairs, rolls the farthest. You know, there are two things I've learned about life. Number one, when the camera (laughs) hits you, turn on the charm. And number two, be able to handle 12 foot of pipe. but we did stuff like uh every friday night we had the uh impromptu band where each night monday tuesday wednesday thursday each night i would look for a different player monday let's find the lead guitarist call me if you want to play so we would put the whole band together Put the whole band together uh, on Friday night, and they'd come in and play Louie Louie or something they could all play. You <laughs> That's know? great. Yeah. So I had that Gloria. kind of fun. Yeah, Gloria. That was good. <laughs> uh, we had uh, a little game we played called Trivial Pie Suit, where I would be the L.A. kind of fast-talking, unbuttoned-down-to-the-waist uh, game show host.
0: I remember this one.
1: Wink Paddington. Wink Paddington was the name that uh, we used. And uh, we would bring people in from the audience and uh, we would put uh, trash bags on them. Uh-huh. And then we would ask them trivia questions about Kansas City. And if they got it wrong, we'd put a cream pie in their face. Love it. Casey Trivial Pie Suit.
2: Good morning and welcome to Casey's fastest growing game show, Casey Trivial Pie Suit. We're here because we feel there is a great community need to see people get hit in the face with tiles. Our host is here because he is ripping and clawing his way up the ladder of success towards Hollywood. And the ultimate game show host job, Vacation Relief on Wheel of Fortune. And now, here he is, the man who once filled Betty Davis's car with gas, Wink Paddington. Oh, hello, how you doing? Welcome to KC Trivial Suit.
1: Love to have you there in the audience today. And we're excited about our show tonight because we've got three lucky contestants vying for $4.10 in cash. Our biggest moment was the night that uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash... Uh, Graham Nash came by, Uh they were playing out at uh, Sandstone earlier in the evening. So he came by, did a little interview with him and he was our official pie man that night. So I have some video of him putting pies into the faces of some of our listeners right there I think on
0: that one resides on the internet.
1: It is there. You can find Plus, it.
2: Plus, we also have a very special event tonight. For the first time ever, after many, many letters and years of trying, we have our own celebrity pie man. Come on out here, Graham Nash. Come out here from Crosby, Stills and Nash. Here he is right here. How's the arm feel tonight, Graham? Huh? Feel it, feel it. Oh, my God, that's See quite that? a muscle. All right, well, wait a
1: well, we'll get back to the Three Stooges episode here in just a minute on All Night Live. Graham, thank you for coming on tonight. Thank you. We appreciate you coming on Kansas City Trivial Pie Suit, and because that, you're here that in town. W-
2: that Wink guy, unbelievable. <sighs> oh, he's okay. going to make it. You think so? Oh, man, he's got the talent.
1: I, I don't care for the guy myself. He's a hey. little too uh, avant-garde for me. But, well, he's uh, very avant-garde. Yeah, I guess right, he's kind know. of West Coastish. Hey, I guess you know, we'll that's be, huh? what's going to make it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I know that the Kansas City Trivial Pie Suit flew you in here to be a celebrity pie man, and we thought while we have you here in town, we'll let you do a show. You got, uh, got your, your buddies with you. Oh, yeah. I got a couple yeah. of them with me, too. Yeah. Oh, what might yeah. be good for you?
0: Uh, tomorrow night, maybe. T- tomorrow night? Yeah. Sand-
1: right. Out at Sandstone. Sandstone's a great place. It out is. There. You ever played out there before? Have you
2: got a, have you got a hole on the hall
1: tomorrow? Uh, I think we can work it out. I know okay. a couple people out there. That, Maybe uh, Wink can know someone. Uh, Wink probably knows somebody out there, sure. So uh, so we'll look for uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Of course, uh, uh, Crosby and and, and Stills are, are not here, so we'll call it Nash, Crosby, and Stills for tonight. Why not? Okay. Why not? All right. It's a good
2: idea. I, in fact, I'll recommend that we change it on the albums, too.
1: I think it's oh, Good idea. Good time to start. Yeah. yeah. You can find that whole deal, but that was kind of a fun deal that, that we did. And then one other thing, we had Drive-In Talent Night. We would open the garage door on the side of the studio, and people would drive into the driveway and do talent in their car.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> Love that.
1: <laughs> we had people coming by with a guitar, sitting in the car. We had one guy came by one night that had just had a tattoo and was still bleeding, wanted to show us. Oh, so. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Wow. That, that was, kind of TV doesn't exist anymore. That's great
0: local television. Yeah, I mean... You must have had
1: a a great time with that. I'm not even sure people would even understand it putting it on anymore, but it it was, it was a good time. And that all went away when KSHB, if my memory is correct, uh, went to the Fox network or whatever the network Mm -hmm. they joined and realized that they didn't want to pay for a a crew to be there at night. Uh, Dennis Allen, actually, the the guy from uh, lived here locally, Dennis Allen, who was on Laugh In and things. He took over after I finished and, um, uh, he, he had a sack face. And he did. Uh huh. Used to yep. ride the tricycle around with a raincoat on, and yes. laugh in, and tip over, and those kind of things. Uh-huh. He was a great guy, good, good friend. He passed away. Ed mascari has gone. I am the last remaining alive All Night Live host in the city.
0: That is right. Yeah. Ed, Ed passed away a few years ago. He had uh, very interesting. Uh, uh, final uh decade or so Uh uh-huh yeah Um, yeah and uh so dennis allen and then the show went away and that was the end of that local that was the end of of local
1: they they kept uh, the AM live station around for a while because the crew was already there during the daytime, but it was a good time in TV and, uh, it's gone and you can see some things on the internet still from that leftover. So that's cool.
0: I still watch reruns of, you know, Fred Broski with Bowling for Dollars. I'll bet so, you do. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Marathon. Or
1: bowling with Molin If you <laughs> Molan. want to go back even far, <laughs> yeah. farther. Yep. After uh, all night live, uh, I had the opportunity. I pitched him on a half hour primetime show called Casey prime.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: It's Dick Wilson's AC Prime! With tonight's guest, Ida Mcbeth. Dick Brown! Dale Bronson! Julie Lux! Plus, a Kansas City explorer takes you somewhere you've never been before! So come with us now as we enter the basement office of...
0: No, Dick's not
2: in the office yet. The show just started and he's out fulfilling one of his fantasies. You know, the one where a boy from up north tries to sing the blues. Or I'll tell him you called
1: uh, Pothole blues Have you heard the news? Boy, there's no turning back now We're up and going Yeah, who was that guy uh, announcer in the open?
2: Solowicz we paying him anything? Uh-uh
1: I love him then Great okay. hey, Any phone calls?
2: Oh, yeah
0: Let's see the vending company called, and they will refund you the three hundred seventy-five bucks you lost in the candy machine last night. Great,
2: right. mm-hmm.
0: and the Midtown Community Dancers would like you to do an interpretive dance depicting the developments of the
2: Sailors' Project.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Oh, oh, and mm-hmm. the people are here.
1: What? Hey, hi. How are you? Come here. Come with me a minute. Goodness. Gosh, it's good to see you. You know, I haven't seen some of you, my old friends, here in a while, but uh, it's good to see you and some new people out there, too. Hey, okay, uh, my name is Dick Wilson, and this is Casey Prime. Okay. Well, actually, this isn't KC Prime. This is the little area where we come when you and I need to chat. That office over there is the production office of KC Prime. All we want to do is have a good time for a half hour and show you some of the prime musical and theatrical people here in the Kansas City area. Okay? If you like what you see, let us know. You know, back to business. I was uh, over at Harry Starr. So I did about four episodes of that through the next year where we uh, had some guests on. I went around and explored things around the city. I went up into the top of the power and light building and explored up there inside the glass area. Upon entering this room, you feel like you've stepped into a small church of some sort. I wonder if anyone's ever thought of getting married up here itself is only 20 by 20 feet the prismed and leaded glass splashes colors on the opposite walls and also gives a very distorted look at the city below took cameras down below some of the fountains of kansas city to see what was going on underneath the fountains <laughs> under
0: the fountains. yeah
1: so i still got that show i need to get it up on the internet there were about four episodes it was a fun show so
0: and you produced that one yourself
1: i did yeah huh? yes and we shot it through uh through there, Oh, there is one other show I forgot, um, from the Dick and Jay period, we did our own half hour sh- TV show one time you with K- KSHB and, uh, that ran about 1980 or so, something like that. I think you can catch some things on the, on YouTube, on that show. Uh, the famous scene from that was our rescue of people off of a stalled escalator downtown. <laughs> in the uh, city center square building really enjoying that hey look at this well there are 10 people stranded on a stalled escalator downtown i think that acme rescue can handle this one all right i'll go give them a call okay acme rescue acme we got a job for you yeah what do you got all right are you sitting down yeah. Okay, now here's what's happening. We've got ten people stranded on a stalled escalator downtown. Can you handle it? Yeah, we can take it. Great. Let's go. And we were the rescue squad and uh, came in and rescued them.
0: Yes, yes. and you know once, when that happens, there's no way out. No of way them. out. You don't have a professional. No way to get out of there. Be them. careful.
1: Be you careful. need the ropes and the people with helmets to help you out of there.
0: Well, Dick, one of the things I, a lot of people remember about the Dick and Jay era is... The Dick and Jake Cruiser. Yeah, there's
1: still pictures floating around of that. That was a 61 Cadillac that we got on the air and uh, whined about that we needed a vehicle. Uh-huh. Other stations had vehicles and vans, and we didn't have anything. So we ended up buying for $100 a 61 Cadillac. Well, it was a beauty. And it you was used that b- to do your, uh, well, mainly I guess it was a moving billboard for this uh, Well, it kind of became that. We were driving that around the city, and on the air, we were whining for people to help us fix it up so it'd be cool. Uh And so people donated chrome reverse wheels to us. Uh, They cut the roof off and uh, made it a convertible if needed to be. We had scoops put on the front hood, and we would drive around town. We had Dick and Jay spray painted on the side of it, and we would let people sign it with pins, with markers. So there were signatures all over the thing.
0: Well, you could have taken that thing to A&W Root Beer and parked on the hot side and backed in. I <laughs>
1: probably could have. A couple of times we we got in trouble with cruising. We had a big cruise out on Nolan Road in Independence one night. Uh, Car Craft Magazine was in town doing an interview and a, a, a spread on great cruise spots across the nation, mm-hmm. and Nolan Road was included in that. So we had about three or 4,000 people lined up along the road and kind of just totally trashed the place the next morning when I was driving to work and just saw what had happened. Just another
0: contribution you've just, made to society.
1: Just what we've done. Yeah, uh-huh. they were in Kansas City, Kansas. We went over there too at uh, at Pete, Peter's Drive In. I think it was made, a, made an made appearance over there too. I but, remember that was a
0: deal for a while. that, well, that was the, the, the big the big fear was this cruising epidemic. That's right. Yes. Uh uh-huh. yes. This must stop. And yes. Then Our they teenagers. went on to other things. Yeah. I forget what.
1: <laughs> One memory I have about the uh, Cruiser was that it would never start. We kept it in a rental garage space over at shamrock did you do, storage just keep it running all the time you know, or like we probably should have <laughs> but anytime we went over to get it we had to jump start it to get it started so anyway that was kind of it wasn't uh, among the best in the in the uh, quality driving time it
0: sounds like 102 saved a lot of money in those days were they a little close with the coin or? i
1: think like radio they didn't ever spend any money on anything <laughs> Even to today. <laughs> wow.
0: So. No wonder it was hard to get groupies. <laughs> there you go. Get a 61 year, uh,
1: Cadillac. You know, we ended up burying that as a time capsule at Worlds of Fun. You're kidding. It's, it's in the ground now? At least that's what people think. Okay. In Good reality, enough. they cut the back of it off,
2: mm-hmm.
1: sent the rest of it to a Liberty car dump place, and just put the back bumper in the ground peeking out. Back in the back where the train goes back around the western area, in the back end. And it was there for a number of years before some other management didn't understand it and took didn't it out. Didn't understand that. Yeah. Took mm-hmm.
0: that sacred site mm-hmm. and probably plowed over some Indian burial grounds, Kind too. of wish
1: I had that, uh, Mounds. that uh, the back end of that car. Well, you know,
0: if, if the front part is still in Liberty... In a junkyard, someone out there, some industrious people might be able to go on a treasure hunt.
1: It's very marked up. You'll notice <laughs> if you see it.
0: <laughs> a lot of signatures on there.
1: You'll know it if you see it. So anyway, that that was the deal. After we did the uh, Casey Prime show, got a call from uh, Dean Hallam. Gannett was coming to town to buy radio stations. Yeah. And Dean had been after me for years to come and work for him at a radio station. He was at KUDL at the time.
0: He was a program director. Program director, yeah, okay. huh,
1: yeah. You know, I was doing this freelance stuff, doing the Jones store spots and worlds of fun spots and those kind of things, and he finally called again and said, hey, you want to, uh, we'd love to have to talk to you about working on the air, so this was 1986. So met him downtown in a hotel space in the lobby. Of the Marriott, he and Don Trout, the manager, and they talked about wanting to have me come and work, and I shot him a figure I thought they'd never accept, and they did, and uh, so for the next 34-some-odd years, I was working at uh, yeah. 94.9 Wow! as it went through its different eras, so. Uh, you did your show
0: with several different music formats going on. It was power, it was oldies
1: 95. I mean, I think it was Power 95. Started out first. as Power 95, Top 40 Station. Hey,
2: Wilson, hey, Wilson, your KC's favorite dick. 95. Oh, radio dick. It's the dirty joke of the daytime.
1: Powerful question this morning. When you hang your toilet paper, do you hang it with the flap going over or under? You gotta put the paper... Give me dead or give me dead! (laughs) Henry Bergdorf Bloomingdale, my butler, has joined us this morning with our daily charge. Henry, what is it, please? Without inner peace, it is impossible to have world peace. (laughs) We'd like to run some sounds down the line to you and just see if you can identify the type of plane by the sound of the plane. All right, sir? Okay. All right, here comes the first one right now. Yeah. like an ultralight
2: or something, two-stroke. I'm killing you! Hey. Stop this it! Is, this is awesome. You know what F-O Air I'm at 10.
1: And then
0: it was oldies 95. Well, I
1: went in and uh, one Friday afternoon and picked up a bonus check for being number one, 18 to 34, or whatever it was, and they told me, hey, tomorrow we're going to change to oldies format. <laughs> no. And so I, I knew kind of before that it was going to happen, that it was going to happen, but it was the thing at the time KUDL was thinking, teasing about doing it. And it was the new old format that was picking up some steam and that was playing fifties and sixties and early seventies songs. So we jumped on the bandwagon and got that done. Matter of fact, on a Friday afternoon, Charlie Knight, who was one of our evening guys, was doing a remote at a car dealership. When he started, it was Power 95. When he ended, we were Oldies 95. So uh, right in the middle of his shift, we switched to (laughs) Oldies.
2: Kansas City, it's time for Dick Wilson and Company on
1: Old these 95. Here comes Katie McGuckin with the news, Major Miles with traffic, and roving funster, the wild one, Terry Wilder. <laughs> and now, the leader of the pack,
2: Dick Wilson.
1: Dick Wilson. Wow. Well, let me you talk, talk about-,
0: about a shift change.
1: Let me talk about Power 95 because that was the last of the – Gannett Broadcasting was um, a proponent of big morning shows. Rick Dees was out in Los Angeles Uh with the company, and he had a bunch of people on with him. And uh, so I started building a morning show back then that was multiple people. So we had some great people on, and I know that you introduced me to Jerry Seymour, who became Henry Bergdorf Bloomingdale, my valet.
0: That's right. Jerry Seymour, Ger- Gerard B.A. Seymour.
1: I think I have some of him. Oh, yeah, he's he has a great voice. Let's listen to some Jerry. By Music Power 95, Henry Bergdorf Bloomingdale with our Daily Charge. When people wrestle with their conscience, it's a sure bet that their conscience will lose. All right, Henry, put your T-shirt back down <laughs> and put reading your tattoos okay. on the air. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs>
0: Oh um, yeah, that brings back great memories. That he was a he was a good guy. I really miss Jerry. Yep, yeah.
1: Katie McGuckin was on with me. Uh, we great we got Katie. Katie going. We have another podcast with Katie. You can find out a bunch of stuff about her on our podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Andy Spinoza? Yeah, I little do. Andy Spinoza. He was our our producer and a great creative guy. Yeah, he let was. Let me let me play you some of the things that Andy did for us.
0: Great.
2: All right, you lame brains, get up out of bed. Okay, all right. I said get up, you lame brains. Come on, get dressed. We got a lot of work to do at 7 o'clock. Hey, Mo, let's turn on the radio and listen to Dick Wilson, huh? Yeah. Dick Wilson, huh? Yeah. Hey, did you ever see a Wilson? No. Hey, why don't you leave him alone? Ah, leave him alone, huh? That's what I said. I'll leave him alone. Now, turn on the radio. Hey, Wilson, hey, Wilson, you're Casey's favorite dick. Just look at this 27-bedroom villa Spanish-style mansion overlooking the beautiful cliffside Pacific Ocean. Hello, I'm Rodney Leach, and welcome to Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Today, we'll take a journey to the house of nighttime soap star Joan Collins and find out how she elaborates her setting in this sexy cliffside manner. Let's just see if Joan is home. Time's have been difficult for Joan, currently struggling through a messy and scandalous divorce. Y'all, yeah, what do you want? Hello, I'm Rodney Leach, and is Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, and we were all hoping to get a glimpse of the home of Joan Collins. Well, it don't belong to her no more. It's mine. No, it's not. That's rubbish. Shut up, you. Are you Obviously, there seems to be some dispute as to the ownership of this seaside paradise. No, I own it. No, you don't, you overgrown <laughs> pigs. Obviously, they still do disagree. Now get lost, you little scum sucker. I was hoping to talk to Joan, please. Get lost! What do you want, money? How about the rolls, or maybe the Jaguars? Well, it looks as though we're out of time today, but join us next week on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous when we visit the broken household home of newsman Peter Jennings on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Up in the air, under the sea, it's truly amazing, all the stuff that he can do so easily. Drag by a bus, on top of a train, he comes up smiling again and again. He's all the Amazing, that man, he's all the Amazing, that man, he's Earl Amazing, that man, he's our man.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, uh, good morning, Earl. How are you this morning?
2: Ah, party
1: guy. Earl, the amazing stunt man in the studio this morning, folks. One hour ago, we asked you on Free For All Friday to call in and tell us what kind of stunt you would like to have Earl do. Yeah. Well, a fellow called in and said he would like to have him outrun. A 30-30 rifle shot. Yes, Earl, you feel up for that this morning? Sure. All right. Yeah. I have brought in the studio this morning our own outdoorsman, Mr. Oh, Billy Wiggins. On come on, Billy. Come on Turn over out, here. Dick. Billy has brought his rifle in from the back of his truck window, thank you, Dick. and he's going to tell us what type of uh, uh, and rifle we'll be using this morning. Well, yes.
2: folks, this here is the Remington Master semi-automatic auto-release Master Clip 30-30 with automatic shell ejection and surefire scope sights. It's lightweight, powerful, and easy to use. All
1: right. Thank Go you, Go ahead, really. Earl. Try to outrun this baby. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you very much. Uh, we- all right. Okay, Earl. Are, uh, I guess we're all ready here. Uh, we're gonna. Yeah. He- I guess I would head down the stairs behind you there. Okay. And I'll fire the weapon from up above here. Okay. All uh, right. You just let me know when you're ready.
2: Okay. Just say on your mark, get set, go. On your mark,
1: get set, go. Uh, <laughs> Slow on that one, Earl. Yeah, a little bit slow. Come on, back up here, to the top of the stairs again, Earl. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's uh, try it one more time. What do you uh, say? We'll, we'll give you one more try. Okay. Henry, don't you think one more try is all right? Yeah, I, I think I we should. Okay. Yeah. All right, on your mark. Okay.
2: Get set. Uh, go. He missed it miles. Earl, how are you, Earl? He looks pretty shaken up. Gee, Earl. How are you, guy?
1: Uh Now, tragically, Andy left us. When we went to the oldies format, Andy left and went down, I think, back home near Birmingham to work. But unfortunately, he died of a heart attack about three or four years after that. At forty-four years old, oh, so, my gosh. but he was a great, talented person, and really appreciated work, working with him. Deanna Hurst was on the morning show with us, friend of mine, Deanna, who she I w- ran
0: into again out in L.A. Yeah, yeah. William Morris Agency, doing, do,
1: still doing, uh, acting and voice work. She was a great singer, and I think uh, we wrote some parody songs that she did, like this one. little of that one from Madonna type song there. yeah. She Mm -hmm. is talented. Yep. So there were good times there on that kind of multi-morning show while we still had that and uh, had some good progress and good success with that that show. You know, towards the end of the 80s, um, after I'd done the TV show on KSHB and things Uh like that, one of the people that worked at KSHB went to work for the USA Network up in New York City. I stayed in contact with him and actually kind of pitched him on the idea of doing a a, a late-night show of some sort Spent the next year or so trying to put something together. Never quite got it worked out what we wanted to do. but
0: Like a national version of what you did in Kansas City?
1: A little bit, yeah. Kind of the all-night live kind okay. of feel, those kind of fun kind of things. Um, so one day in the late 80s, uh, got a call after the morning show, and it was Dick Clark's office calling from Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And they said, hey, we're putting together a TV show, and we heard you did some fun stuff there in Kansas City. Would you send a, a, a tape out to us? And so I did, and it ended up that they had linked up with the USA Network also to produce a show, a late night show called Camp Midnight. All right. And uh, they liked what I did. They they called and said, well, it's down to uh, two people, you and another guy, and uh, we'll get back with you. And finally got the call and they said, yeah, we'd like to go with you. So uh, that was my big uh, launch out into the Los Angeles national market on the USA Network.
0: Wow,
2: well, that's a lot of fun. Good morning, Kansas City. This is Dick Clark, and uh,
1: we're producing a new television show, Camp Midnight. It's uh, sort of a new offbeat television variety show premiering at 11 o'clock this Friday night on the USA Network, and it's hosted by Kansas City's own Dick Wilson. Yeah, Dick Wilson. But, uh,
0: don't let that scare you off. Now, did you have to stay out there and produce? I mean, were you... You know, they they had a full staff
1: out there in Los Angeles at Dick Clark's office there in Burbank on Olive Street, across from the NBC Mm -hmm. buildings where his his office was. And uh, what I would do is, it was my job to prep all the guest interview stuff. We'd have about three or four guests on per show. And uh, so I would fly out. I'd get off the air, the radio on uh, Friday mornings, catch a plane to Los Angeles And Friday afternoon, we'd show up at Dick Clark's uh, office out in Burbank, and we'd start rehearsing. The uh, crew of about seven or eight people were working week through the week in the office developing the show out there, Mm -hmm. writers and things like that. Tim Conway Jr. was there. Tim Conway's son was a part of the staff and some other great people. He
0: was on the air in L.A. when I was out there. He
1: went to radio after our stuff. Yeah, he sure did, yeah. But uh, he was a fun guy. So I would show up out there, we'd start rehearsing the show, and then on Saturdays we would go over to Van Nuys, a little place on Van Nuys, and uh, I think they also shot uh, Casey Kasem's American Top 40 show in that studio. But anyway, we'd set up our studio and we would shoot two 90-minute TV shows on Saturday night. That was quite oh. a haul. Wow. They'd, they'd bring an audience of about 50 people in, we would shoot our first 90-minute show, Then we would let that audience go and have a little dinner and then bring another 50, 60 people in and shoot the second 90-minute show.
2: And now, here's your...
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'll go ahead and look way up here like we've got a big audience back here someplace, all right? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to another freaking Friday night of fun here on uh, the USA Network. Can we say freaking on TV? I guess, uh, yeah, okay. But uh, let's all say that together. On the count of three, just give me a freaking. Ready? One, two, three. So there was a total of about eight different guests that I needed to research. For interviewing on the show. Well, you were working hard. There's a lot of comedy stuff going on on the show too, and things like that. Uh, I've got all the masters of the show on three-quarter inch tape. I've got to get those dubbed to digital, digital so yeah. I can maybe get that show back out and show people because it was a fun type deal. You remember any of those guests that you had a lot of fun with? I do. The or first they... guest was John Stamos. Please say hello to a guy who's the star of Full House, and he's also a part-time drummer for the Beach Boys, John Stamos. John! <laughs>
2: Yeah! Yeah! Good to see you, John. Right oh. Nice, Dick. Well, thank you, John. Do you got that Thanks girl's for... number out on the street, by the way. <laughs> yeah.
1: John. I want to know one thing. <laughs> yes, Dick. And that is this Beach Boy thing right mm-hmm, off the bat. Mm-hmm. How'd you get lined up with these guys? Told them I knew you, and you Did got you? that shirt really? on. <laughs> <clears> a...
2: What is that? It's kind of a kind of a. Tom Selleck, Barry Manilow yeah, kind of... Yeah, uh, it's a... I've never seen a... Yeah, it's You're in L.A., man. You gotta look cool. You gotta be, you know, what I'm saying?
1: And we had Michael Reagan on, President's son. Oh, sure. Right, right before Reagan went out of office. Then he went into radio. Yeah. We had a big, long radio career. Uh, a lot of B-level stars. Uh, Adrian Barbeau. Uh, oh, sure. Timothy Leary was on. Yeah, that was a, an interesting one. We had a, a LST, good Timothy, uh, yeah, guy. Timothy sure. Leary guy. The lady who played Catwoman—I can't remember her no, name. Julie Newmar. Julie Newmar was on.
0: Now Julie's, <laughs> Julie's a different kind of gal. She, she
1: really is. I noticed that right off the bat when uh-huh. she came into the room. Yes, uh-huh. I
0: had some conversations with her uh-huh.
1: out in L.A linda blair was on one night you know the exorcist star we had a skit where she played my girlfriend oh that's great <laughs> kind of did some of her stuff again we had a one-man band scooter peach played uh, played all the keyboards he was our one-man band the whole premise of the show was that we were a very underfunded show it so, sounds like
0: fernwood tonight
1: a little bit a little bit like that we well, were Mary on the Hartman, we were in the of back of all the sets so uh, our set was the back of a set because we were like in the back back hallway doing our show that was the feel of the whole thing Dick Clark was producing this so he had some fun with that we had a rough wood desk with uh, uh, tape hanging off the side of it you know that the, guy, the gaffers would use and uh-huh. uh, we had a coffee pot with donuts in the back and people could get up out of the audience and come get coffee and donuts while we were in the <laughs> middle of an interview uh, but anyway it was a fun fun premise scooter was the one man band scooter uh, uh, went on to do a lot of musical uh, composition stuff for television and, and movies, and he's now a playwright and has some plays that have played around New York and things like that. No so, kidding. So it was a fun time. Camp Midnight. Look it up someday. While out there, I got to know Dick Clark pretty good, and really? uh, interesting guy. He yeah. was. Uh, uh, he could be a, a little cold uh, sometimes but uh, had
0: a lot of, had a lot to do had a lot on
1: his mind m- most right? of the time uh, he was a very warm guy and a good guy and, and and he sure was yeah in that office out there they were producing game shows and the American Music Awards and things like that and they would just bring the crew and cast in as needed throughout the year and then let them go throughout the year off and on so a lot of production going on we had the opportunity uh late in our run out there uh, camp midnight ran for about 24 episodes, we went like 24 to 26 weeks, oh, wow. I think, before uh, USA cut the cord on it. But uh, did pretty good. Near the end, uh, Dick Clark brought us all out to his Malibu mansion on the beach at Malibu. He's got a big octagon-shaped house out there. Wow. Or had, for a nice dinner out there with him, so that was a, scrub was a good the evening. Bricks or something, we, you know. You know, we were described <laughs> to get our way in. No. He was showing us his uh, original John Lennon lithographs down the hallway and things like that. I always like to tell people, yes, I went to to the bathroom in Dick Clark's house. It's my claim to fame. That's nice. (laughs) That's nice. I hope you uh, showed
0: some... uh decorum with the way you uh, behaved at dick clark's house I, I
1: tried to do that yeah i did my best but i, I remember a nice right. scene at the end of the party i was the last one to leave and he and i walking up the uh, the driveway back up to his car that was going to take me back to the hotel i always uh, kind of felt good about our relationships when one time he referred to me as his adopted son so
0: well that's great Very you feel, you clark. you kind of were kansas city's dick clark and you know uh kind of the cool head uh into a lot of things. It sounds like uh, sounds like you were a uh, Dick Clark-style utility player. Well, kind of like, they yeah. Threw uh-huh. everything, they, they, they threw everything at the you. The
1: stunt Dick Clark, yes. <laughs> but I, I am Dick Wilson, and I have had to clear this up a time or two. I am not Mr. Whipple. Of oh, the Charmin to- uh, toilet paper fame. Well... Th- His name is Dick Wilson also. Oh, or that's was.
0: right. Yes. That's
1: right. He was in town, and we interviewed him on All Night Live one time. Really? And I am the proud owner of a mint condition, still plastic-wrapped, four-pack of Charmin tissue autographed by Mr. Whipple to Dick Wilson.
0: Man, that is something. I hope you never get in a jam and have to tear that up and use it. Is
1: there any reason to even continue this interview on from there?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what was your time like in LA? I mean, you'd get out there at an odd hour and you'd work hard and what what were how they treat you where'd they put you up
1: well it's pretty good you know that i uh, got picked up at the airport in dick clark's uh, cars that uh, he had his big uh, big you know the big black lincoln things nice and uh went to universal and stayed in the big black hotel on universal studios oh wow up on the top floor they put me up in the penthouse
0: no kidding.
1: And so it was just little me with all that space up there, and one bedroom and a big, massive front room area. And uh, so I ended up uh, usually Saturday night when we'd finish taping, invite the entire crew up to the hotel room for a little post party. Wow! At so Universal. couldn't let so
0: that room go to waste.
1: No use just sleeping in the bedroom when all that space is there to be used. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, I could see you walking around, you know,
0: Universal Studio lot. Making balloon animals or something. trying <laughs> could have like, been doing that. Yeah.
1: people. <laughs> could have been the, doing that to a party. <laughs> yeah. Hey, come on up. <laughs> <laughs> I got a big room. Oh. So I'd go out every other weekend, but the interesting thing about the, all these guests was that this was before Internet time. Mm-hmm. So I had to go down to the library and get microfilm stuff out and zip through magazines around the country and try to find background on these celebrities that I was interviewing. That was uh, the situation at the time as far as well, doing investigative stuff. Well, it was the time. Yeah, it really was, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, mm-hmm. people f- forget how how difficult that was. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. While I was out in Los Angeles, um, a person at the Dick Clark office introduced me to an agent out there. So went by and um, took some video stuff by that we had done on All Night Live and... Mm-hmm. Uh, he was impressed, so signed on with them. And before long, I was going down to Disney Studios to audition for a game show.
0: Oh, really? As was a game
1: show host. Mark Batterman, Batterman Productions, was uh, the producer on this. He'd worked with the Gong Show and a lot of other things. And Chuck Barris. He was, yeah, yeah, checking people through. And I think I was the last guy to audition in the day. Ended up getting that job. Wow. And so later in that year came back out and kind of went to Game Show School 101 with Mark Batterman. We were on the back lot of Disney in one of the trailers. I think right next to uh, Carol Burnett was in a trailer next to us or something doing something for a special. So I'd show up out there uh, for the week. I did some broadcasting back to Kansas City during that time at the uh, KISS studios. But during the day, I'd spend it there for about a week or so, kind of learning the game show rant, what you are and what you had to do and you're kind of like the uh, the host and the umpire and the cheerleader and the whole thing wrapped up in a game show host. So but that's did, a fun <coughs> gig, isn't it? It is. You know, it really I mean, was. Once
0: you get the hang of the game and you understand what you're doing, if you can, exactly it's so easy.
1: 20 Questions was the name of the game show. Um, we shot a big uh, pilot out at uh, the TV studios out in Los Angeles. I had two celebrity people on. Marky Post. Do you remember that sure. name? Sure.
0: Now, I, no, she, she was, was on one of them. Night Court, right? She
1: was, yeah. huh? The guy who was the celebrity guy was Fred Willard. And, oh, uh, he's great. It, and he, he's been in so many great things out there. But we did the whole uh, 20-question show, and uh, away we went. Had our pilot in our pocket, and uh, the next step was for somebody to pick it up. So uh, NBC actually showed interest in it, and they decided to test it around the country and see what people thought. Uh-huh. Of it. They ended up. Not knowing I was from Kansas City, they ended up testing it here in Kansas City.
0: No kidding.
1: Matter of fact, the wife of the radio station, Don Trout's wife, was one of the people called in to test it. And so they were surprised when they found out that they were testing it in a market where I was already known anyway. So uh, I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But at the time, uh, Dick Clark also uh, was putting a show out called Greed. Mm. And uh, they tested that. They ended up going with greed, and ours went to the shelf. So that oh. was my that was my big deal, my big game show Man, deal that's that a, almost made it.
0: Oh, that mm. Boulevard of Broken Dreams strikes again.
1: I know we heard a lot about it on your podcast. Also, <laughs> my true. relationship with Mark Batterman continued on. He was a good friend. He he is a good friend, and he and his wife Nancy, I would I would they were my couch place when I went to Los Angeles, like oh, you yeah? talked about with bigger staff mm-hmm. and things. So, uh, Mark would call every now and then when he had another game show, he was producing and would have me fly out and do the run through for the networks. Mm. You know, we'd get into a convention area and set it all up and run it through for the network, uh, big wigs and see what they thought about the game show idea. It was interesting. Cause one of the times we did that, we were out on the back lot of Warner brothers in one of the offices there here, it was Sunday afternoon, had a little break. So took a walk around by myself on the back lot and walked down the Western streets and looked around there hadn't seen that kind of thing oh yeah My so you were on the Kansas main City, lot over in burbank. the main lot in burbank mm-hmm. yeah took a little turn around the thing went through by some trees and a little clearing opened up and there was the front of the waltons house oh yeah just the front of course they don't build anything else no no so
0: they were downtown
1: streetscapes and everything yeah. there walked around in back of the house climbed up on the scaffolding and hollered out of john boy's window it's just those memories that yeah. make it, make L.A. worthwhile.
0: You know, on that lot, I had a lot of fun on that lot too. Uh, the F Troop was shot there. Oh yeah, sure. And so there were there were real westerns shot in that western scape there. Yes. Uh-huh. And then there were all these crazy comedies.
1: Oh yeah, sure.
0: And and like I said, I I would run into a lot of these retired guys from these yeah. sitcoms. And, yeah. And it was fun to look around and see the tower where Dobbs. <laughs>
1: There you go. Sure, yeah. Love that place. New York Street, Mm -hmm. city streets. In the early 90s, got into working with VPR Productions here in in town and Curtis Pickering and the gang out there. Oh, yeah. And doing a lot of pharmaceutical shows. That was back in the big era of pharmaceutical times when uh, there was a lot of money spent on marketing days and bringing their clientele and their, not their clientele, but bringing their salespeople in for national meetings and those kind of things. So I got a call from Curtis one time and, uh, and ended up emceeing uh, big marketing day launch parties in Los Angeles. Over a two-week period, we went to Los Angeles, Atlanta, and Boston with the different regions of salespeople. Mm-hmm. And we did the stage shows, which was kind of like a Letterman TV show. I'd be oh, really? the Letterman character. Uh, we had a band playing. We'd bring, instead of the guys talking uh, behind a podium on stage, they came out as guests of the talk show. And we presented their message that way and ended up doing that format through a lot of different companies and a lot of different times through the 90s.
0: Man, if you can keep that show moving, talking about sinus medicine and things.
1: You know, you have to, yes. Uh Uh-huh.
0: You are one talented guy, I'll tell you.
1: You know, but we had comedy uh, videos about Nylandrin and about uh, Nicoderm patches Mm -hmm. and uh, parody songs with the marketing people coming in on motorcycles. It was uh, was quite a production.
0: That's tickling my funny bone right now, just hearing about it. (laughs) I love medication. (laughs) Well, now, all through this career, you also were kind of writing and producing and, and even editing. I, I remember going in there and seeing you very uh, adroitly taking the, uh, the razor blade and the reel-to-reel tapes and just cutting. A few people can believe this, actually, mm-hmm. pre-digital age. You would take reel-to-reels and take a razor blade and cut them apart and tape them together.
1: Exactly. And that yes. became
0: the edit. That's and so you how got the edit really went. good at this. Like well, you could have worked an assembly line in China.
1: I, I could have, yes. It was just like film editors editing, but it was just audio tape is what it was. Yeah, so. it
0: was fantastic. And you were writing material and producing stuff, so you're creating a lot of content still. And still
1: doing it. actually <laughs> floated the idea of a, a radio format for the 55-plus people out called Rewind Radio, which would be just 60s and 70s music. None of that 80s and 90s and things that the people from the that period don't want to hear. Who so, wants
0: that newfangled stuff? Well, anyway? it's an ideal I format for an. Idea. It's
1: an ideal format for an AM station that's dying, yeah. playing ESPN or just taking the news programs, and they want to do something a little different. You know, there's a lot of AM stations out there holding a .1 share. And uh, could do maybe a two share or so yeah. with uh, with the 55 plus crowd. And there's so many different uh, AARP and things like that. Well, to you use know, for that advertising makes a lot of sense. I yeah. think
0: that's really good targeting because that that crowd still has that AM dial mm-hmm. going. I'm sure they've they're pretty tired of hearing the. Uh, the Chiefs game rehashed for the 47th time. There you
1: go. Yes, uh-huh. Or the same uh, news story told uh, different ways by different talking heads throughout the day. So That's right. Yeah, so. But we, we'll see what happens on that. We're, we've thrown that out a little bit. We'll see if anybody takes the bait on that one. So. We know what you really want. The best songs. The best times. Rewind 850. Yes. The Beatles. Elton John. Be
2: the Supremes. Like
1: Three Dog Night, All of your favorites on one, one station. station. Rewind 850. The pros said that it couldn't be done. But we didn't listen,
2: so now you can.
1: The best songs, the best times.
2: Rewind 850.
1: So doing all those kind of things, and the rest of the day, uh, in the morning, especially like you, get up early and do those voiceover auditions around the country while yeah, your voice is still sounding deep and professional. That's before right. the end of the day and the cigars kick in, so... Um. Yeah,
0: before all that whiskey and, oh, wait. Oh, that's me. Oh, there you go. Okay.
1: Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's very satisfying to do that kind of stuff from home now around the country. So, in the heart of Damascus and neighboring the most effective and attractive cultural, artistic, and lively locations in the capital, and along one of the main roads, sits our project. Deep sea fishing, Turks and Caicos, is an experience not to be missed. Is it the scream of the reel, the bend of the rod? And the flash of silver deep below. Look at him. Gotham had experienced a total blackout, the result of a massive electrical storm. Not just buildings and streetlights, anything electrical was affected, including vehicles. Joker had weaponized the fireworks into a chemical attack. I only had enough antitoxin to protect me, and only seconds to apply it. In my hands was a monster. Doing yeah, a lot that's, of that
0: things uh, too. Yeah, that's an industry that's changed a lot. You could be uh, doing campaigns in, in other cities. Well, I've done some hearing. political
1: spots back east. I've uh, pl- played the part of Santa in Nashville, Tennessee on some radio commercials. Mm. I'm on a bus tour out in Washington talking about the Centralia Massacre. And since this audio was recorded, I'm now playing, as you just heard, Batman on a YouTube action comic book. <laughs> and so there's a lot of wild and wild open things to be doing. Hold it right there, mister. And if you're ever in Bratislava, Slovakia, you can hear me talking about the city as an old character in the Uber City tour program. Hello, Dobroden. My name is Shonenazi. And of course, you know me. Uh, What? You're not from Bratislava? Aha! Then you might not know me. uh, Yet. I was one of the icons of the city, always wandering around the city center, Greeting people passing by in the most polite and enchanting way. I always dressed up like a real gentleman in tailcoat and top hat, even when coming from a rather poor background and not having a job myself. You know, in the voiceover world, if you can be, if you can be Sam Elliott or Morgan Freeman, you can make a million dollars. That's right. Yes, whatever you do, wherever you go, Edwards takes you there. More brands, more choices all in one massive low overhead location that says you're going to save money. Whatever you drive for work, family, fun. It pays to cross the bridge to Edwards. Well, through it all, have, uh, of course, as I said, I got married in 74 and still married to my first wife and, uh, uh patty and,
0: then, and, and patty and you have a family of you started kind of your own little circus family now well Everybody we did we have uh,
1: a lot of talented kids uh 1978 we had nicole my oldest she's a graphics artist person lives up in liberty with her husband craig he works at cerner and we've got the two grandkids close by brett and brenna <laughs> then along in 1983 came miranda our middle child and she's an actress up in new york city and works with uh, Clutch Productions, an organization she and some other ladies have developed to uh, create and bring uh, uh, female writers and things to, uh, to the stage and, and give them opportunities to develop plays and those kind of things. Um, she also works for Treehouse Shakers, which is a children's performing kind of group and dance uh, group that has plays for zero to 19-year-olds that uh, they filtered it through. Uh, my son, Spencer came along in 1992. He went to college up in New York City. He's living up there also in Astoria and he's working to become an actor also. Also works for Treehouse Shakers. You can look them up on the internet and kind of see the good things they're doing and got a good family going.
0: Well Dick, it's been great finally getting to know the real Dick Wilson after sitting across from the booth with you and doing all these comedy things and the podcast. I had no idea the uh, how broad and deep your
1: uh, show business career ran well thank you very much and and uh, i'm sure at this point in the podcast it's just you and me listening well so. you know what but it's at least nice to reminisce the world will know That's a couple right. of guys sitting around reminiscing yeah I, I, can you sing us out of this sure i'll give it a shot you might love it you might hate it it's my favorite
0: freaking show